Welcome to the Fleet FYS podcast, the weekly podcast by Utilimark that reveals how you can make the most of your data for smarter fleet management. My name is Gretchen, and every week I'll be sharing with you not only over two decades worth of data insights, but some of the industry's hottest talking points and key metric analysis with the aim to help you better understand your fleet from every angle. Before we begin, if this is the first time you've heard our show, Thanks for stopping by. Once you finish today's episode, if you could take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform, I would really appreciate it. Give us a rating, five stars, I hope, or tell us what you liked or leave us a comment or a question about what you've heard in today's episode. If we haven't yet covered a topic that you're interested in hearing more about, let us know. We would be happy to go over it in detail in a later episode. Let's dig in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. I'm super excited to share today's episode with you. But first, I wanted to tell you about something incredibly exciting that we have coming up in the next few days over here at Utilimark. My question to you is this. Have you ever wanted to know a little bit more about the average salary in the fleet industry or maybe just for your position? Or perhaps are you curious about what types of compensation your peers might offer or potentially receive? You all know that I love a good survey and our best one of the year is opening up next week. The annual fleet industry compensation survey will be opening up on Tuesday, July 11th. Next week, it's coming up so, so soon. So make sure you mark your calendars and don't forget to check your inbox for the link. However, if you are not already signed up for our emails, you can find the survey at www.utilimark.com forward slash take the survey with dashes in between. Can't wait to see you there. know that the shift to electric vehicles isn't a new movement. At least I hope so, because we have talked about it a few times on this show in the past. But really, the shift to electric actually began about a decade ago, surprisingly enough, as OEMs started to design newer and more efficient vehicles that were just now beginning to see hit the market. The conversation has always been about the difficulty of ensuring the prevalence of power stations, the creation of batteries that have enough charge to provide adequate range, and also now we're seeing a little bit of a shift purely because of long lead times and increasing purchase prices, which are challenges in themselves, but that's not really the topic of today's episode. There was another conversation happening around 10 years ago as well, speaking to the idea that people thought that the future lay in alternative fuels like, again, electric vehicles or hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, perhaps you might have heard of them. FCEV is the abbreviation that you might be more familiar with. And today, I think it's pretty clear that so far, the electric vehicle and perhaps vehicles that utilize CNG, compressed natural gas, or even renewable diesel have dominated over their hydrogen counter. Counterparts. In the past decade alone, almost 9,000 hydrogen cars were sold in the U.S. Meanwhile, according to Business Wire, with the sale of EVs in 2020, just 
2020 alone increased by 39% year-over-year to 3.1 million units. But even with that stark contrast in terms of popularity, the question still remains. Are electric vehicles more efficient than fuel cells? That's what I want to dive into today. So, the question of are fuel cells more sustainable than electric vehicle batteries? Well, here's a little bit of a rundown on why people are asking this. Proponents of hydrogen energy have a lot of marketable talking points on how the technology is good for the environment, right? It can be difficult to even understand at first how to even read the data and compare them to electric vehicles because it's not like comparing apples to apples here. There are slightly different components at play. For example, you know, what metrics are you even using to understand the electric vehicles? Well, we published a survey not too long ago on top industry players and asking them how they planned on measuring EV performance. And we actually just released a benchmark of the last three years of that data. So if you haven't seen it already, you can go over to our website, which is utilimark.com, U-T-I-L-I-M-A-R-C.com forward slash surveys, and you'll be able to access the electric vehicle survey benchmark. You'll be able to understand some more on EV performance and maybe perhaps get some insightful feedback. And what we're finding here is that alternative fuels are more so, I would say, easier to benchmark against traditional fuels rather than just electric alone, right? Because if you're looking at CNG and you're looking at oh, renewable diesel as well, those are more similar to a traditional fuel vehicle, whereas an electric vehicle and a hydrogen fuel cell, there's some key there's some key performance indicators there. But on paper, hydrogen seems to have a bit of a leg up, and electric vehicle metrics, whilst you know they're easier to report on now, we're still missing a little bit of the data. There's a few things that need to happen to really get a true comparison in this particular part of the alternative fuel discussion. Now, if we talk a little bit more about why hydrogen seems to have a leg up, for one thing, hydrogen is one of the most abundant elements on Earth. It has an incri incredibly high energy content by weight, and it's highly flammable, though you don't need to worry about an Hindenburg scenario 2.0, given how far technology has come since 1937. And hydrogen cars are said to be lighter than EVs. They have more range, and given the natural byproducts of the hydrogen reaction, it means that your exhaust will be purely water vapor. Kind of fascinating, no? And another compelling selling point for many is that hydrogen cars can potentially purify the air around them as you drive. Now, this has not been absolutely solidified yet, so don't quote me on this one, and all of this sounds nice in theory, but there are some big issues with this technology when it's put into practice. So whilst it's true that fuel cell sustainability is potentially as good as electric vehicles, if not better, an issue of design prevents them from being a strong competitor right now on this day. Hydrogen fuel cells are similar to gasoline vehicles in that their range is thought to be up to 300 miles on one tank of hydrogen fuel. And in terms of range alone, this statistic leaves electric vehicles behind in the dust. They refuel in a matter of minutes as opposed to the up to eight hour charging time of EVs, depending on your level of charger that you have or that you regularly use or have access to. And fuel cell sustainability is also bolstered by the fact that the engine, quote unquote, has no moving parts, which means that you never actually have to change the oil because in theory, it really is still an electric car because the hydrogen fuel powers the battery. It's not the same type of reaction that goes on for an internal combustion engine. Now, compared to these internal combustion engines, hydrogen cars have nearly double the fuel economy. But if it all sounds so good, the question is, why hasn't it caught on just yet? 
What it all boils down to is understanding wheel to well efficiency. So, the difficulty with hydrogen vehicles lies in the fact that the energy has to move from wire to gas to wire in order to power the car. For example, a hydrogen vehicle operates by taking hydrogen in the tank, feeding it to the fuel cell where it mixes with oxygen in order to generate electricity, and then finally is sent then on to power the electric motor. A fuel cell vehicle is then similar to electric vehicles, like I mentioned before, in that sense, but this is where hydrogen as a power source begins to render itself slightly less efficient. At each juncture, hydrogen fuel loses energy. First, electricity must be generated, and then the electricity must be converted to hydrogen through electrolysis, which loses about 25% of energy in the process. The gas is then compressed and chilled, losing yet another 10%, and then the fuel cell has to turn that gas back into electricity, which means that you lose nearly 60% of total energy collectively, effectively more than three times the loss experienced by electric vehicles alone. In electric vehicles, the power source runs directly into the motor, so from source to motor directly. This model still isn't perfect. You're still losing about 20% of efficiency in total, and the electricity runs on wires all the way from source to car, losing 5% as it travels, another 10% is lost as the lithium-ion battery charges, and then another 5% to make the car actually do the moving that you would expect it to do. However, because there's less stages of energy to fuel, it makes the process overall more efficient. And this overall efficiency in electric vehicles is higher because fuel cells require almost three times the energy. But here's one thing I also really want to put into this conversation as well, is that if we're looking at, say, for example, your basic safety test, your crash tests, sometimes hydrogen fuel cell vehicles might need more pressure per square inch in the actual tank because you need more hydrogen to get that higher range. Well, a challenge that comes with that is that potentially, if with such a highly flammable fuel, if you were ever to get into an accident, that could cause some pretty serious repercussions. You know, think if something is highly flammable, you get into an accident and a spark goes off, it could cause a very, very large disaster, right? It could cause a big fire. But I don't want to knock any type of hydrogen manufacturing or hydrogen fuel cell vehicles because, of course, the technology is still in testing. There's a reason that they're not widely on the road yet. And I think the technology still has ample opportunities to really be a viable option. But I'm sure you're probably wondering at this point, is there actually a future for hydrogen? Well, regardless of the inefficiencies or some of the challenges that are currently being experienced, hydrogen does have the advantage in terms of range, lightness, and quick refueling. The issues come with the process of actually getting the fuel source to the car without losing too much energy and also a couple of just making sure the safety features are at top notch, which everyone, of course, wants in a car that you're driving. And the overall efficiency and power to vehicle drive energy is basically half of that of an electric car. With all of the money and the dedication being poured into electric vehicles as well, the market is pretty incentivized to focus on the production of electric vehicles over fuel cells. So it might still be a while yet before you begin to see any 
meaningful headway being made for hydrogen vehicles on a personal passenger vehicle level or even for fleets. But I wouldn't count them out just yet. Like I said, there's a lot of technological improvements being made as we speak. And I'm sure, as you already know, the fleet industry is a very rapidly changing industry. And who knows what could happen? I would love to know, do you have any questions about electric vehicles? Any questions about hydrogen fuel cells, the technology behind it, the science behind it? Please, please, please let me know. As always, I'm super curious to hear from you. You can always send me an email. You can tag me on LinkedIn. Use the hashtag UtilimarkFleetFYIs. Or you can send me a carrier pigeon because we all know just how much I love that. Why not? Birds are fun. Carrier pigeons are fun. Let's do it. Anyways, before I go, before I sign off for the week, I wanted to remind you that if you haven't already, if you could rate and review our show on your favorite podcasting platform, it really helps me out. It really helps us out. It helps people find our show. And I love to hear your guys' feedback. And the best part is, is it helps connect us to more folks like you who are looking for more information on fleet management, fleet strategy, and overall, a little bit of fleet FYIs. Alrighty, that's all from me this week. I will see you next Friday. Ciao. Hey there, it's me again. I think it's time to cue the virtual high five because you've just finished listening to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. If you're already wanting more on all things fleet and vehicle technology, head over to utilimark.com, which is utilimark with a C, U-T-I-L-I-M-A-R-C.com for this episode's show notes and extra insights coming straight from our analyst to you. That's all from me this week. So until next time, I'll catch you later.